This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It's your favorite time of the week. That's right. A brand new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by my fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have another great show for you guys. WNBA season's heating up. Um, lots of headlines and things happening in the world of girls and women's basketball. Um, and that's what we plan to cover. In case you missed some of our earlier episodes, we're excited about the summer for a lot of reasons. But um, Tarika and I really want to do a better job of connecting all levels of the game. So um, with that being said, just to give you a little preview into what today's show will be, we'll start off with my clipboard, just my random observations from around the world of women's basketball. Also, we have a very special guest um, for our show, Jewel Lloyd, who is whew, blazing and Hi. off to an amazing start, um, along with Brianna Stewart in the Seattle Storm. So we will talk to Jewel on the show. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about Diana Tarazi. In case you haven't been paying attention, Tarazi uh, made history again becoming the first WNBA player uh, to score 8,000 career points. Obviously, that would make her the all-time leading scorer, but Tarazi just continues to get better and better. So we'll actually hear from some sounds from Diana about her season so far. Uh, third quarter, we are going to follow up on our questions about AAU. We posed some things on in the Twitterverse, and we're wondering what you were thinking about um, your daughter's development off the court during the summer. Um, and then some other things regarding summer basketball. So we'll do that. And then in the fourth quarter, we will be growing the game. That's right. It's become our favorite feature of Around the Rim, basically, our, our favorite segment. But um, we're going to talk to the ladies of the W Podcast. So there is another podcast out there you should know about. Um, but let's start with the clipboard. A couple of things. Number one, the Minnesota Lynx visit to Washington. Tarika, I, I'm sure you have kept your eyes on kind of what's happening uh, with the Minnesota Lynx right now. But the bottom line is there's a lot of conversation around the fact that the Minnesota Lynx, just like any other WNBA team that wins um, the, the league championship, would visit the White House. And obviously we have a, a new president and Donald Trump. And um, without getting too political, because I always get in trouble for that. You and me both. I can't save you. <laughs> there, there's been a lot of conversations about teams that are visiting the White House, teams that are not. Whatever, that's your choice. But the Lynx, they weren't even given a, given a choice. That's right. They didn't even receive an invitation to visit the White House. And we don't necessarily know... Even, I guess, Don Staley in South Carolina were eventually invited. Um, I don't know what will happen with Notre Dame, but it just seems a little bit like an afterthought um, as far as the women's champions are concerned. So uh, that's something that we're definitely keeping our eyes on. But long story short, I love the response from the Minnesota Lynx during the time that they would normally visit the White House while in Washington preparing to play the Mystics. They decided to honor themselves 
by honoring the community. That's right. The Minnesota Lynx to participate in a Samaritan's Feet community event in the Washington, D.C. area for kids that live in low-income areas um, or who, who have needs beyond what their parents are able to provide right now. And then there will also be a, an actual um, acknowledgement um, of their championship by the U.S. Senators from Minnesota, um, Amy I can't pronounce her last name. I don't want to butcher it. And Tina Smith. So, and there'll also be some other special guests in attendance, some congressmen, representatives from different states, um, WNBA front office personnel. But I just want to give a shout out, give some love to the Minnesota Lynx for how they've handled what I'm sure has been um, a challenging situation. You know, um, instead of saying, hey, you know, uh, forget this whole thing. They're going to show the world, the White House, everyone what the WNBA is about, what the Minnesota Lynx are about, and take that attention and put it on some children who need it in the community. Tariqa, you just ain't going to say nothing? No, I think you did a great job of... Uh, don't be putting me on blast like that. No, I think you did a right. great job of... <laughs> Of really summing it up because, you know, I, I actually wrote a piece last year on South Carolina not being, um, invited to the White House for the undefeated. And then shortly after they did get an invitation, but it was literally in the middle of the season or the beginning of the season. And at that point, you know, Don was just like, Hey, you know, we've already started the new year, the new season. So we're doing us now at this point. And it just seems to be repetitive that, you know, women's, championship teams are not really getting what we as fans feel is the respect they deserve but it just goes to show the class act that the WNBA is and that the Minnesota Lynx is that they decided to not make this about them and make this about the community and how they continue to serve the community and I think what they're doing is wonderful yeah I do too and um, you know again we're not going to harp on it Um, you have a choice on how you respond to things but I just think in a time where we're trying to um get more attention for women's sports. We're constantly trying to validate women who participate in sport because society just um, isn't giving them the recognition they deserve. Uh, We have the highest office of the land who seems to be shaky on how they want to acknowledge women in sports and their accomplishments. But shout out to the Minnesota Lynx. All right. So there's a new all-star format. Tarika. Tell me about what the WNBA is doing with the All-Star Game this year. So instead of doing East and West, because, I mean, it looks like the WNBA is just like, we about to just get rid of this East and West thing altogether, right? Now they're going to do a captain's choice where the captains of each team is going to choose who they would like to play um, in during on their team during the All-Star Game. And I think this is fabulous. I absolutely cannot wait to get to Minnesota for this. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I can't wait. I'll tell you this. So I think the WNBA has done a a lot of things right in the past couple of years, right? So, um, getting rid of the East and West and taking the top 18 to the playoffs, brilliant. I love the playoff format. I know some people don't where there's, you know, two rounds of single elimination games. Um, one and two C get a bye to the semifinals. I love it. It brings excitement. It puts more pressure on what you and your team accomplish in the regular season. Um, you know, good changes to, to the game in general. This I would put in that category. Yes. Like, I am so excited about this captain's selection. I don't know what to do. Now, there, there could be, there could be some college alliances that we see resurface. 
there could be some sister sister action <clears throat> Janae and Nessa <laughs> I'm hoping to see some teammate rivalries though that would be interesting too now the only thing and fans we want to actually hear your thoughts on this so email us at around the rim podcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on the new play, on the new um, all-star format but um, the one thing that I, I I think should happen and everyone else seems to agree is we need to televise the actual selections now I can see why that wouldn't be popular though because come on like players don't want to be put in a position where you know hey Listen, dog, we won three championships together in college, and I love you, but I'm going to go ahead and take this person over here because <laughs> she's been balling and the three ball is lights out. So, like, that, that I, I can understand, you know, because there could be some saltiness, and, and maybe the WBA needs a little saltiness. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I would want to pick in front of the entire world. I don't know, but I know I'm hoping because, um, the the way that the captains are going to be chosen is going to be based off the the all-stars that receive the most votes so um if in a perfect world in my perfect world if if candace parker and neka agumake could get the two top votes and have to choose teams against each other i think that would be totally dope like you look at these two in my opinion and i'm like these girls are or to see a diana tarasi and, and Brittany griner just so happen to get the to be the two top getting both all-stars and have to choose teams against each other that's like my i i want to see that so bad so please fans do me a favor when voting opens on june 19th y'all make sure y'all choose teammates so that we can see them square off Right. And we need some, we need social media to really get in on this. Like, mm-hmm. we need some gifts. You know, if there's some shade out here thrown by teammates and different things that you thought were going to happen and didn't, we need you to be out here, um, giving us the scoop on where the shade is on these selections. Cause there's going to be some. Right. Um, and you know, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod because we would love to get in on the shade. But anyway, um, I think that's an excellent change. Excited to hear about that. Um, I, I don't think the league has, really announced all their plans for All-Star. I'm not sure of that, but there may be some talk about um, the extra activities that we've said we wanted to see over the years. Three-point contest we had last year was at halftime, so will there be more added on Friday night, possibly? I don't know. Uh, We're all waiting to hear about that, but love that move. Um, Rather short clipboard this week. Those are really the biggest two items. Don't forget, if you don't have WNBA League Pass, Download the app. It's easy. It's $17. You can watch all the games. You get all the news. Um, that's my plug. Uh, make sure you're also turning into, uh, tuning into the ESPN games for the WBA. This, uh, this week's game is, uh, Seattle at LA. Should be pretty good. Thursday night. Um, Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart will take on Neka Agumake and Candace Parker, who is back in the lineup. That's at 1030 Eastern time. Um, on Thursday night. And with that, we're going to head into the first quarter. First quarter. All right, fans, it's the first quarter, which means we are blowing the whistle. And this week we are blowing the whistle on none other than the Phoenix Mercury because um, they are playing a really good stretch of basketball right now. Three wins in a row, all on the road. Uh, before that, they had suffered three losses in a row. But the big story is really... Diana Taurasi, who has turned back the hands of time and is uh, playing like the goat that she is. 
the biggest thing I noticed, I actually had Phoenix in Minnesota and then, and then had them in Atlanta. She's in incredible shape. Here is Diana Taurasi uh, talking about what she did in the offseason to get her body and mind uh, to be playing at such a high level. Well, you came into the season yeah. in incredible shape. Mm. Um, what did you do in the offseason and how has that helped you? to get off yeah. to a good start this year? Oh, I mean, I, I definitely just got back to the basics, really. You know, when you play year-round, you don't have much time to kind of fix yourself. Uh, and I had a lot of fixing to do. Um, physically, obviously, you know, I've had some issues with my back and ankle. And I just kind of started from scratch, kind of just try to build myself up, a lot of rehab, a lot of strength and conditioning, flexibility. And then, you know, the, the encore work's always the most important to me, but I had to be in a in a good way to get there and, and actually be productive. I mean, whatever she did, I need to get that off-season regimen like ASAP because Diana is in amazing shape. Um, Mamba is at the height of her game, and that's not easy to do. I mean, I see players that are, are much younger than Diana or haven't been in the league as long as Diana and are and not in as great a shape. I mean, she came into the league in 2004. She's in her 13th season, and to be in the best shape of her career at this point takes a lot of dedication. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm an older woman at this point, and getting Girl, in shape now bye. versus getting in shape in my <laughs> 20s was like night and day. So I am just so impressed with, with her dedication to being at, playing at the highest level. She mentioned a couple years ago that she had made some changes to her diet. I'm sure that's still good to her. Keep in mind the offseason, she became a mom to son Leo. She and her wife, um, Penny Taylor, are, are have a beautiful son. So a, a lot of changes. But the biggest thing is, like, this Phoenix roster has gotten deadly. Mm-hmm. Like... You look at, you're adding to this roster two of the best def- defenders in, in recent years in this league, and Breon January and Sancho Little. Now, Sancho took the entire offseason off for the first time in a long time, so she feels good, but she's still working her, her, her way back into game shape. Breon January had an incredible offseason getting healthy after some surgery last year, but Two great defenders, and, and Phoenix needed defense. They needed defense, they needed rebounding, and they needed depth. I mean, the talent level in this starting lineup now um, is incredible. And the biggest part, to me, Tarika, is you add back into the mix Dewana Bonner. Mm, like mm. an all-star who's coming off of having twins who she said she's still working her way back well if that's what working your way back looks like <laughs> um okay okay because she, she completely went off on atlanta and minnesota just reminding everyone of how much of a special player she is so you know again i, I just we wanted to blow the whistle on phoenix to give y'all a warning because in the fourth quarter in new york late game against atlanta Late game against Minnesota, all on the road, Phoenix just showed a, a, another level of focus and intensity. And to add to that, Brittany Griner continues to get better. You know, Diana handed her the, the keys a few years ago, and now they're sharing the keys again because, you know, DT is playing um, amazing basketball. Um, That's definitely I, I, who I, I was blowing the whistle on, for sure, was Brittany. Yeah. She's just, to me, looking like a complete player now, which is something that I think we've all 
have been saying for a while that she, you know, could be or was developing to be. But now she just really looks like the complete package. She's shooting well. She's shooting 58% from the field this year. I mean, her defense is, is better. Her post game is ridiculous. Watching her and Tino Charles duel, duel it out in New York was, was crazy. She's now on the list for seventh in blocks behind Sylvia Fowles. I mean, she looks like she's ready this year. Yeah, five, the 500 career blocks, fastest in the WNBA to get there. We're going to talk about Diana Taurasi's 8,000 career points in a minute. Um, but, and I also want to mention there are three losses in a row. Um, the ones we talked about earlier were to Seattle, um, who's playing great basketball, LA, which Phoenix had a lead in fourth quarter and just blew it. And the Mystics, where Christy Tolliver went ham. And it's hard to beat. Any team Christy Tolliver is on. <laughs> right. When she dropping 30. Um, <laughs> right. The Mystics had 103 points. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to give you all that, that information on Phoenix to tuck into your back pocket. And congratulations to Diana. You know, 8,000 career points. Um, she's the GOAT. The, I mean, you can't really, what can you say about it? Especially the way she's playing right now. And the last thought that I had about Diana to kind of wrap this up is, you know, we talk about the the U.S. Olympic team, right? And we're like, okay, who's coming next? Listen, I'm all for the conversation of getting new blood in, especially at the point guard spot where Lindsey Whalen has retired. So somebody's going to have to get in there. But <laughs> Diana is out here looking like she can play another five years, okay, <laughs> at the highest level. So let's not, we have to be careful using the conversation around retirement when someone's body or their play or their attitude or their focus or intensity does not say retirement. We can't just look at age or number of years played. Like we gotta be careful with that because, uh, Diana's out here defying the odds and she looks really good to start the year. So shout out to Phoenix. Also shout out to Sandy Brondello who won her 100th, game she did congrats Sandy. all right well with that we can move into the second quarter second quarter players perspective all right fans it's the second quarter and we are going inside the huddle with the number one draft pick from the 2015 wnba draft none other than seattle storm guard jewel lloyd welcome to the show jewel (laughs) thank you thank you for having me yeah, I mean, of course we're going to have you. You've been hooping to start the season, and your team is just um, looking really good. So let's go back. Let's rewind. Last year, there was a coaching change. Um, Gary Kloppenberg temporarily took over. You guys had some momentum but ended up losing in the first year of the playoffs. Then Dan Hughes comes in. Tell us what is different about this season um, under Dan Hughes. Um, I think just in general, I think our mindset's a little bit different. Um, he's definitely a defensive coach. And so our, we understand, like, on offense, we get our shots. Um, if we get our movement on offense, is, it's just awesome. Uh, but we know that for us to be a really good offensive team, we got to be a really good defensive team. And he's kind of brought that to our attention really on, like, first day of training camp, it's like defense. Like, I think we only spent, like, two minutes on offense. Um, so I think just the mindset is we're going to stop teams, not just going to outscore them. We're going to physically stop them and, and really just help on the defensive end and then just motivate our offense that way. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, your offense, the one thing that stood out to me right away watching you was your pace of play. Um, you guys are playing much faster, um, seems to be making decisions quicker, fewer turnovers. I know there are always going to be some, but last year that was a big problem. What what do you attribute mm-hmm. that, that motion to on the offensive end? I think everyone is really, it's, they're just confident with each other, with the system, and with our, ourselves as well. Um, even though we added some pieces, I think they were the right pieces that we need to add. And you couldn't really tell if they were with us here just for training camp or if they were with us last year. And that's just, that's meant to just, we really just trust each other. I mean, we watch a lot of film together. Um, I think our chemistry off the court it plays a big role in how we play on the court. I mean, we get along and we just have so much fun. I mean, that's the biggest thing. We're just really enjoying the moment, playing in the moment, um, feeding off each other's energy, and, and it's just doing us a pretty big favor. <laughs> You had five straight games of 20 or more points. And, I mean, you just look like you've got a different confidence level. And you started off last year strong. And we've seen this through mm-hmm. stretches um, of your career. But what would you say is different about Jewel Lloyd um, in the success that you're having so far this year? I think my, my, my patience is definitely a lot better than it ever has been. Um, I'm just being really patient, reading the defense. I'm just comfortable and trusting my abilities that I – no, I've been, I started off the season literally in Seattle, training three months before the season started. So I had time to actually work on my game and work out with Sue, work out with Stewie. Um, and then I'm, now I'm just kind of in a flow and a, and a rhythm. So it's just my patience on just not being rushed and trying to go on my own pace and, and like, really just be in the moment. I'm not trying to overthink anything. I'm not trying to worry about if someone's icing me or getting, you know, being aggressive with me. I'm just trying to get to my spot. And then when I'm in my spot, I just execute. Yeah, it, it's so interesting to see, and I would I would say, you know, Stewie probably feels the same way in terms of her comfort level because um, there's no hesitancy in either one of you. And obviously, the the big story in Seattle last few years has been, okay, we've got tons of talent, you know, let's put it out there. They should win a championship right away. And I'm like, no, it really doesn't happen that quickly um, right. because you know chemistry is important and learning each other is important. And obviously, going through a coaching change kind of changes things as well. Um, and poor Phoenix. God, you just torch Phoenix. Why do you hurt Phoenix like that? You just, I mean, <laughs> what is it about the Mercury? It, I, I just think it's really playing against Dana Tarazi. Um, that's someone I watched growing up and someone I really studied and really trying to be like. I mean, she's in the Mamba family, so anytime you go against another Mamba, you, know, you got to kind of bring it. I think that's really, really just motivates me. I kind of, you know, I think I came in the league and, like, I want to play against her and, like, earn her respect. You know, I want to you know, be in that conversation with, with her name. And I think that just brings out another side of me and another focus. And um, as much as, you know, watching her, you kind of get blown away. So, like, I, I kind of want to do that for another rookie who comes in after me. Man, I'll tell you, that that that's a great point because I think people forget that, like, you're the next Mamba, she's the current Mamba, like, and you play against her <laughs> like you want to, you try to dethrone her. I'm like, this is, Julius goes nuts on Diana. Um, so looking at your, your team and your roster, one of the questions, you know, I know I had coming in was what was the support going to be like, right? Because you guys didn't have Ramu coming back, you know, just some mm-hmm. different faces and, and different movement. Lang has been injured some, but I mean, the contributions you guys have gotten from Natasha Howard and, and also Jordan Canada, what would you say yeah. um, individually those two players have brought to the team? Well, Natasha is this unbelievable athlete on um, both ends of the floor, and she fits in perfectly with our systems and our movements. And defensively, she could switch with Dewey and AC, and we kind of 
keep size on size. Um, and offensively, she's just really hard to guard. Um, she moves really well without the ball. She's always around the basket. Um, she keeps us in place. A lot of, a lot of our, our, our wins late in the fourth quarter is because of her coming up with blocks or just coming with pullbacks, hitting big threes. Um, and that's just what we need from her. And then Jordan, she's just a really, really fast learner. She's learning from Sue. So she's in the perfect system, like with the best point guard in the league, um, teaching her. So she's picking up a lot of things. And her change of tempo when she comes in the game, it's very evident. She pushes the ball, finds great people, um, you know, and transition. And she just runs the show. And she has a lot of confidence. And she doesn't come in the game scared, which is, which is awesome. She's not scared of anyone. She comes in. She knows what she can do. And um, she builds up our confidence. And so it's, she's just Everyone who we added, it's, it's big for us. And Courtney is the same thing. And Courtney comes in, she, she does her role, and that's the difference. I mean, I think everyone on this team knows their role and, and, and really respects what they do and what they can bring to the table. Yeah, and I like this role of three-point assassins because <laughs> with y'all <laughs> 17 threes, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. I was like, they are yeah. really – that's dangerous. I mean, when you can shoot yeah. like that – um, I, I'm really liking that look. So it, it, as we look, obviously there's a lot more games to play, Jewel, but if there is something that you say this team really has to do to get to where you can be, right? I know the last couple of years losing in the first round of playoffs has been a bummer. What has to happen for you guys to kind of take that next step? I, mean, I know it probably sounds super cliche, but we have to find ways to get better every single day. Um, and I think in the previous years, you know, we we haven't really found a way to win. I think these last couple of games, when it came down late games or us coming back from, you know, the Chicago game, you know, like we found ways to win. It wasn't pretty. Our offense wasn't perfect. But we made sure that the second half, we were going to get better at the things we weren't doing in the first half. And every day in practice, we're finding something that we need to improve on. We're never satisfied. And we just want to really get better. We're holding everyone accountable. Um, it's not just coming from Dan. It's not just coming from our coaches. It's coming from our practice players. It's coming from our rookies. Um, everyone's talking, everyone has a voice, and that's something that we need to, to keep going for the rest of the season. Yeah, you can tell that you guys are just more comfortable and more aggressive. You know, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of thinking going on. Um, so in talking about some things that you have uh, going on off the court, tell us about She's Got Game. I am so, <laughs> so pumped about this. Tell us about how it came about and give us a scoop. Yeah, um, literally, I was just sitting in my house, and uh, I got a call from my agent, and she's like, hey, would you like to be in a trailer? I was like, are you are you serious? Or, like, I wasn't sure if she was joking or not. She's like, no, like, um, she got a game. Uh, Bleacher Report's doing this. They want you to be the star of it. Like, are you interested? And I was in there like, okay. I'm like, why not? You know, um, it seems pretty cool. Then I got to New York, and um, the cast, the crew, um, the production people, they were just amazing. And it's a really cool story. I mean, it's obviously based off of, you know, Jesus Shower Awards and, and that story. And um, it was just really cool. It kind of got me out of my comfort zone and uh, gave me confidence in another area that I've never even thought about before. And I met some great people. And I think it was really cool. I mean, it really impacted a lot of kids and not just, you know, girls. It impacted a lot of people from my high school. And, and everyone kind of had really good feedback from it. And it was really cool to see. I mean, never in a million years I would thought I would be, like, acting or any of that, um, but it was really cool, and, and it was a great experience. So is there going to be an actual movie? Like, what what happens from here? Because I don't know that I've seen the full thing. Right, yeah, so from here, it just, if someone wants to pick it up, they can pick it up. Um, I mean, I'm not, the, the movie world's not really 
my uh, forte, so I don't really know how everything works. But um, yeah, I guess if someone wants to pick it up, it, then they could do that, and we'll see where that goes. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just a really cool experience, and whatever happens, I know this is just a a great thing, and it's definitely uh, really cool to see. So, Jewel, um, you're telling me if this if this movie gets picked up, you're not gonna like be the starring role. That's not your thing. I mean, we can work on it. We're not turning <laughs> yeah, this no. down. Yeah, oh no, not at all. I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm there. I'm all in. Um, it's just, it's really cool, you know. I just, it's just like, man, like who would have? I would have never thought this would happen. And it was, it was really cool. And everyone a part of it made it made me feel comfortable. And um, I would definitely want, want to do it with the same crew, same same everyone, because it was just phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the biggest names in basketball were in that trailer, like talking about. Right. It. And obviously, that's a game that uh, that's a movie that affected and impacted all of us. I mean, right. I don't care who you were. I mean, then you had Captain right. Condexter was a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Bleacher Report. That's that's really cool and really awesome that they did that. So before I, yeah, uh, before yeah. I let Tarika get to Kobe, because Tarika just, you know, she can't wait to get to Kobe Bryant. I do have <laughs> one more question for you. Um, you shared a story, and I wanted you to just share with our listeners. You shared a story about your struggles with dyslexia. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, so brave of you to talk about something that impacts so, so many of us, you know, um, in, in different ways, whether you know someone, you struggle with, with it yourself. Why was it important for you to share that story? I think it's important for a lot of that. I think it more so even helped me um, have more confidence in who I am and kind of just understand that it's not holding me back from anything that I really want to do. And it kind of was my therapy lessons and knowing that I got some really good feedback from, from students, from parents, from fans, um, knowing that they were dealing with the same things I was dealing with. It was just another outlet for me and for parents and for people. And I think everyone has a story. And no matter if you think it's going to impact someone or not, you should share it. And so that was kind of my mindset is that I'm going to share this because it's something I deal with and struggle with even now and it's going to be for the rest of my life. And if anyone who's going through this, they know that they're not alone with it. And and this is something that you talked about even going back to your, your days, you know, at Notre Dame later in your career, mm-hmm. at least, you know, as you were transitioning. But I don't think a lot of people really picked up on it. If there's some, for those of us that may not be as educated, what, how does it impact your, your life every day? Oh, man. I mean, reading is like everything. <laughs> reading in cereal box, reading signs, um, numbers. I mean, it's, Anything I try to read, it's like decoding something. So no matter what it is, and you kind of have to train your brain or find things that work um, for you to understand, you know, certain things. But, I mean, everything is reading. So um, reading, writing, um, is something I struggle with. Uh, math was hard. Algebra was hard. You know, you got letters and numbers and <laughs> equations. So you try to just find different things that work, and you come over the systems and uh, you stick to those systems, and it may take you longer to finish homework and assignments, but, I mean, you got to get it done. And I was just determined to, to try to overcome it and beat it and, and just work with it because I know it's nothing that's just going to magically go away. So if I find ways that work for me, it should, it should just help. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing that, and if, even for talking to us about it, because I don't think people really understand that it is a daily struggle. And I, and I believe Asia Wilson may have had – yeah, um, a yeah. similar story mm-hmm. as well. So I, I know your courage has has definitely um, helped other people to find their courage, uh, and that's important. Yeah, that all definitely. of us do that. And, and I love that about the WNBA. You know, players are willing to talk about things that impact them, 
you know, look at what's going on with Leisure Clarendon right now, or, you know, right. even Stewie uh, being vocal yep. during the Me Too movement. Like, you know, we all struggle with something, you know, and how can we help to inspire others uh, through our struggles? Um, someone right. that doesn't struggle is your mentor. Tarika, what you want to know about Kobe? Girl, I, look, I, let me let her get this. She was ready for this. What, what you got, Tarika? What's the question? It's just, okay, so first off, <laughs> being dubbed Gold Mamba just already is like, wow, okay. But anyway, my, I just love the fact that he's so supportive of you and like a big brother to you. And I think that that's inspirational. And I just kind of wanted you to kind of talk to our fans a little bit about what that's like having, you know, someone like Kobe to be supportive of you. And with all the conversation about the marketability of our league, you know, how having someone of that caliber to continue to support the league and continue to support you, like what that does and how inspiring that is. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Um, He's been phenomenal um, since the day I met him. He's always been um, able to reach out and he's like, "Hey, like, if you need anything? Like, let me know. Like, you need basketball? You need this? Like, whatever. Like, feel free to reach out." And it's like, "Are you sure? Like, are you really doing this?" And he's like, "No, seriously, you know." And and so just knowing that anytime I need, I have a question, and that's really how our our friendship really evolved. Is is I asked him a lot of questions, like, "So what do you do when you come up a ball screen?" Or like, "How do you do this?" And it was like immediate reply. And it was like, wow, I'm talking to Kobe. Like, to me, he's the GOAT. You know, like someone who's changed the whole league and has done so many great things. And he's talking to me about life. He's talking to me about, you know, being a better you know, leader, a person, and leading the team. And I'm like, this is unreal. Um, and he, his support is phenomenal. He always comes to support, always sends me texts. And we even watch film. We talked about a lot of things, um, off-the-court stuff. I, I mean, I got to know his family really well. Um, and he's just really supportive. And it's just great to see that. And a lot of NBA guys actually reach out to, to many of us in the league. And a lot of people have great friends um, in the league. And um, it's just great to have their support. And they know that they're, they really care about us. They're not just concerned about what we could do um, on the court. They're also concerned about what we do off the court as well. Well, let me say this, Tarika, because I witnessed this myself. Kobe better be careful now because we saw what happened to UConn after he – Announced his right, his his support, his allegiance, right, in. right. So, right. um, so like I'm happy. Kobe comes around, you know, he's tweeting about Jewel, you know, his little sis, you know, like yeah. But the day yeah. he walked into that gym when Notre Dame was playing UConn with that Huskies hat on, that was it. Right. I mean, Arike Aguba Wale saw that thing was like, you know what, Kobe. I got something. So you. basically, okay. you just need to tell Kobe when he comes to the game, wear the other team jersey. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he, he can cheer for you internally. And, and let me, exactly. I guess, just finish with that, Jewel. Like, what what was it like to see what Notre Dame did in the Final Four? I, I'm sure you you know Arike personally. I know all of you guys know each other and all that, though you've gone on. But, oh, my gosh. Like, were you, like, what, what were your impressions of what you saw happening on that stage? I mean, overall, the Final Four were just amazing. Um, Arike had yes. two amazing shots, and it's just like, to even try to do that in like 2K is like impossible, you know? But for <laughs> right. her to do it in real life, it's just unreal. Um, but I'm so happy for the seniors. Um, they they deserve it, man. I, I know them really well. Obviously, I played with them and stuff, and you know their families, and it was great. I mean, they deserve it. It was just a really great time and a special moment. So, um, yeah, shout out to the, those seniors. 
Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I was like, I don't see how they're going to do this. And y'all were the teams, you know, no offense, but I was like, okay, while yeah. Jewel is there or while Skyler's there, they're definitely going to win a national championship, right? And so right. for this team to be the one that wins, it was like, you know what? This is some real luck of the Irish stuff right here because. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super special. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just something about that, that senior class and, and everything and how their story ended up and. Um, you know, it wasn't our story to tell. It was theirs. It was meant to be for them. Yeah. Shout out to those seniors. And, I mean, uh, gosh, I, even like Coco, who's one of my favorites. I'm just so yeah. happy that, you know, her story ended in that way. But anyway, all right, Julie, right. we're not going to keep you any longer. Thank you so <laughs> much for your time. We have pulled all the information out of you that we could. Um, thanks for coming on Around the Rim. Keep up the great all work. Right, take care. Okay. Thank all you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jewel Loy for joining us right here on Around the Rim. And fans, stay right where you are. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about AAU basketball. And we took the Twitter, too. So we're going to bring your comments in on the conversation. And then we're going to have our Growing the Game segment in our fourth quarter. And by the way, make sure you are subscribed to Around the Rim in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Make sure that Around the Rim is on your playlist. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned third quarter scouting report okay fans so we told you last week that we were going to come back at you about some tweets that i put out in the twitterverse um regarding aau girls basketball parenting all of the above now let me first say this i am not a parent so i can't even begin to understand tarika can um, you know, all that goes into being a parent, it's a, t- it's probably the hardest job in the world, especially now with, um, you know, social media and technology and all that our kids are up against and, um, just the way society is set up. It used to be so simple, right? When you didn't have a cell phone, when you didn't even have a pager. Um, so, uh, I, I shout out to the parents. Um, but I kind of feel like in this space, m- one of the things I would like to do is to grow the profile of our, our girls and women's basketball players. And to do that, we got to make sure we're ready. They're ready for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't just thrust them into the spotlight. If they don't feel comfortable, they don't feel confident. Um, maybe they're dealing with pressures like bullying or, you know, low self-esteem things that we all dealt with. Right. And I want to make sure we're providing what's necessary for our young girls, because I'm not making this up out of the air. Okay. I, I'm very fortunate to, to interact with a lot of college athletes every day because I call games, a lot of professional athletes. And we when we discuss their journeys or things they felt like they were missing or and not that their parents did not try to provide them those things, but sometimes it's, it's hard to cover all bases, especially when let me tell you this, parents, I don't know how up on this technology y'all are. But there's a lot going on out here mm-hmm. on these cell phones and in this and on Snapchat. And if you're not into it, there could be things affecting your kids. So anyway, it's an open forum. It's a very friendly forum for us to have discussion. And I don't have very long to cover this, but basically the two tweets I put out, one tweet I was talking about how I, I didn't realize that um, parents were up and moving their children in order to be in the right high school district. Um, and they were being guided by AAU coaches. I'm like, I, I don't know anything about that. My mom was not getting up to move for anything. Definitely not for me to play basketball <laughs> me at neither. a certain school. Okay. <laughs> my mother would have been like, you said what? My mother, uh, first of all, my mom didn't even have time to take me to AAU practice. You think she had time to figure out where we were going to live? 
for me to go to AAU basketball. No, no, no. Um, and so I didn't realize it was happening at that level in the women's game, which is disappointing. Um, I knew it was happening, but come on, like go to the school you're supposed to go to and you'll still end up where you're supposed to be. And parents just have to be careful of what message that's sending to their kids. And I think it's a little bit of a form of cheating. Like make the best team where you are. Yes. Period. Um, it also just led me to the conversation about AAU coaches having a whole lot of control because they have relationship with college coaches. They do summer events. They can, they do ranking systems and all this stuff that impacts your daughter's ability to play on a certain team or, or get in front of a certain coach earn a college scholarship, which is a big deal because I wouldn't have been able to go to college without scholarship. I definitely wouldn't have been able to go to Wake Forest. There was no way. When my mother found out how much money it was for me to go to school every year, she was like, <laughs> About that scholarship, you better get. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you better be glad you were born 6'4", because the <laughs> Lord was doing something really special for you that wouldn't happen. Um, so long story mm-hmm. short, I just wanted to read a couple of responses because my tweet said, parents, how much more money are you spending on your daughter's AAU activities basketball trainers, et cetera, compared to how much you are investing in ways to build their character, communication skills, self-esteem, career aspirations, et cetera. Just curious. I was just throwing the question out there. And this wasn't a knock on the parents. This was actually more of a question for the AAU programs. Like, what are you doing for these young women other than rolling the basketball out into the court? Because they're spending a ton of time with you every summer, traveling to events, playing in events, I mean, their summers are consumed with a lot of AU basketball and even other times of the year. So it was really like, are you getting the bang for your buck? Like, because there should be a lot more happening for these young women um, because basketball is going to be over and life is so much bigger than basketball. So some of the responses I got, I'll just read really, really quickly. Um, one we got from at Coach Smokey with three Y's, who says, if we're talking about high school kids, then no. Basically, I've made a list of things they should be getting. Um, I was like, how to deal with bullying, job shadowing, advice on how to choose a college, how to interview, how to network. He said, if we're talking about high school kids, no. I wouldn't expect a high school kid to know how to dress for an interview or talk in a business setting, but that's things you learn in college and have all the resources as an athlete, but sports take care of everything else on its own. No, they don't. No, they don't. Okay. <laughs> Let me just say this. Like, if you're, if you, some programs do. Don't get me wrong. There are some AAU pro- programs that do it well. Peak Performance is one here in Georgia that just goes to the nth degree to make sure they are developing their women. You also don't know what your, what your kids' college is teaching them about how to, to interview and how to dress and all that stuff. That's, that does not. <laughs> I learned that in high school. I'm sorry. I didn't learn that in college. When I got to college, I needed to know how to dress and how to be approachable and how to network at a college entrance interview. Like, I didn't learn that in high school. college. Like, Coach Smokey, I'm going to need you to go back and really um, do a little bit more research because if you're waiting to college, that four years goes fast. They do have a lot going on if, you know, they, they are fortunate enough to, to play a sport at the college level. Like, yeah, I believe that right where it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> the next comment is from at Terry P. Vaughn. It says, to the latter part of your question, we're not spending any money. Zero, basically. It's called parenting. Totally on us to shape their character and expose her to be well, 
rounded and curious. Those are intangibles that help long before she even picked up a ball. Get out my head with China. That was the tweet that I was literally staring at because I agree with him. You do. Tell me why, because I, I, I have a different side of this, but I, I agree with that him. it starts with the parents. But do you really think that parents can provide all of that? I mean, I absolutely can- believe that it is a parent's job, first and foremost. And I just became a parent two years ago, literally. So I was not thinking about this kind of thing. But now that I do and now that I see how much time a kid spends on YouTube, looking at blogs, on looking at things on television, looking on Instagram and Snapchat and trying to see all these other things other than the basics, essentials of building character, it is absolutely the parent's responsibility to be the first. If you ask anybody, if LaChina asking you, who is the person that you look up to? Who is your mentor? Nine times out of 10, you'll say your mother. How many kids nowadays can say that because their mother or their father or whoever it is that is their parent may not be the first person that they're looking to to build who they are. They may say Kim K. They may say Cardi B. They may say Beyonce. All these other people. It should always be your parent because before you even thought about playing basketball or whatever sport you're playing, those types of basic values should be instilled in you from your parents. I agree with you 100%. And I think part of the problem that I was discussing earlier is that some kids don't get what they need um, at home, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it's hard. Parents are juggling a lot of kids. They have whatever, you know. Some some kids come from broken homes. Like, let's say what it is. So um, I agree with that. But my mother, she was definitely my first role model. Mm-hmm. But she is not telling me how to use LinkedIn. My mother is not telling me how to establish my professional profile in the world of technology that we live in now. My mother is not teaching me how to navigate social media and present myself as a leader in that space. My mother never taught me how to go get a mentor. My mother never taught me what kind of questions I should be asking my mentor. My mother never taught me what kind of conferences I should go to for professional development based on the areas that I was interested in pursuing or thought I was interested in pursuing. My mother made sure I got to college. That was her job, Mm -hmm. right? Because the world is always changing. But what we need to start doing is asking the questions while we're sending our kids off to college, while we're sending them off to play basketball, while we're sending them to AAU practice. What can you help to provide me with? Like, you should be an expert in what, if you're handling kids or handling children, handling high school kids or college kids, you should not only be an expert on how they should be shooting a jump shot, but what is their life going to be like after this? After For this. those that don't mm-hmm. make it into basketball or don't get that scholarship, that's a tough thing to really go through when you realize, hey, I was go- I thought I was going to school for a scholarship, but I'm not now. So what happens then? Or I don't know what college. My mother, my mother trusted the process as far as fa- fa- finding the right college for me. Like, I'll tell you this. That's one thing about my mother. She did her research. We're going to have my mother on Around the Rim. I keep telling people that. <laughs> Please do. Because we're bringing her in on fourth quarter, honey. But she's a hot mess. So I got to get her situated. You got to prep her first. Show. Okay, exactly. It's going to take me a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. 
but she read my everything with a fine went through everything with a fine tooth comb like she knew i was getting a laptop at wake forest she read my letter of intent and knew it was only a one-year deal even though i was technically given a four-year scholarship Mm -hmm. like there were so many nuances to it that my mother was not college educated and was able to really you know not that she had to be college educated but she had gone through this process before there were some things that she knew that she could help me with she did that perfectly but after that getting my first internship and doing all my mother couldn't help me with that this just was not she just you know i will say this i will say this and i totally agree with you on that because like you my mother didn't do that for me either but i will say this um and i now and i'll close with this for from me um i think that 2018 and the parenthood of this modern era is a little different than how it was when we grew up. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not that much younger than you, LaChina. So we kind of grew up in the same era in the, in the aspect that things like LinkedIn, things like, you know, social media and how prevalent that it's become in our everyday life weren't things that we, that we had. They weren't, I mean, we didn't have Twitter. We didn't, I barely had College Club. I barely had Black Planet. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have this kind of, of technology and, and how impactful it's become in our everyday lives at the time that we were growing up. So I think that as our kids are evolving in today's era, parenting has to evolve as well. And so, you know, I do have to now think about how my kid is using the internet and how my kid is using social media and, you know, how my kid is doing certain things that I did not have to do when I was, you know, her age. So I just think that as we evolved and these are conversations that we have to continue to have and it's great that you're having that and that we're having it right now because these are things I don't think that parents really think about. But in the day and age that we're in, we do have to evolve how we look at things and how we approach things because they aren't the same as when we were growing up. I agree with that. And parents, you have to be willing to understand that we are going through some things as women right now, especially me being a a former college player and we're in touch with former players and young girls who are playing sports. So that's, you know, kind of the demographic we're speaking mostly to, but it applies to all. But because we have, we're in touch with this, that's why we're trying to offer you some, I know that right now where your child is, you think is the perfect place for them to be. We're trying to help you look five years, 10 years ahead, right? Because we need more women in the C-suite positions. We need more women, mm-hmm. um, you know, in management and for fortune 500 companies. We need more diversity um, across the board. Mm-hmm. So this is something, you know, we'll continue to talk about in different ways, but I think you're right in that where, where are the resources? And that's our question for this week. Tarika said parenting has changed. Changed. You've got to be up on some different things now, right? So parents, are you taking courses? Are you reading a book? Is there something that's helping you with the new age parenting um, for your young girls or even for your college age women um, that can help other parents? Email us at aroundtherimpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And last but not least, I'm going to give a shout out to AAU. Our last tweet, we'll end on this. Um, Demaya Walker, who you guys may remember, used to play in the WNBA, um, and last name is now Wheatfall. So it's Demaya Walker Wheatfall said, AU helps my daughter with confidence, communication skills, and helps her set goals to achieve her academic and athletic and career aspirations. Led by the right people, the investment is worth it. Teaching kids to work ethic and commitment through training for their craft is invaluable to me. Shout out to those AAU programs that are doing that. I know for a fact not all of them are, but for those of you that are, we acknowledge you. 
fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, fans, we are entering our new favorite segment of the show, which is our Growing the Game segment, where we are shedding the spotlight on uh, people who are really doing their best and doing their thing to help expose and grow the game of women's basketball. And today, we are blessed to have the host of the W Podcast. We have Lorene Irette, and we have Princess Streeter. Welcome to the show, ladies. Yay! Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> All the applause. Well, let's just let's just start with okay. Give us give our fans the short version of your background. Um, it doesn't matter which one of you go first, but we want to know all your business, where you went to school, um, you know your upbringing, and how did you land covering women's basketball? So, hi, y'all. I am, of course, a North Carolina native. Um, I did attend the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels, uh, which is where I, I think I initially met you with China. Uh-huh, <laughs> ACC, you were covering some of the women's basketball games. Um, and so I had an internship with a local radio station there. Um, I've always been a fan of women's basketball. You know, I have two older brothers who played, you know, professionally briefly, and it's just always been in my, like, life, to be honest the game of basketball so when I got to college I was like I got to figure out what I want to do with my life and which direction I want to go in so when I got this internship and they allowed me to cover women's basketball I was ecstatic Um, so I covered the UNC women's basketball team during the time of Diamond DeShields, Alicia Gray, Stephanie Mavunga, everybody who ended up transferring but I mean they were amazing while they were there Um, and I just fell in love with the coaching staff and the personnel and it was awesome um, and so that's really when I started to build on covering women's basketball. And after I graduated, um, I joined this uh, organization called NABJ. Um, and I had been reading, this is the craziest thing, y'all, but I had been reading Lowe's blog called Beyond the W, of course. And I was just been going through it and, and learning more about women's basketball and her blogs and everything else. Like, I want to meet her. I want to meet her. Long story short, I had been talking to her at this organization, like, conference, like, three or four times and didn't realize it was her that I was looking for the whole time. And I was like, when I meet her, we're going to collaborate. It's going to be so much, so much, like, awesomeness. And then we finally did, and everything, you know, went from there. And then the W Podcast was pretty much born from that. But, yeah, just I've always been around the game. I've always loved it, and I've always loved to see women and their talent be exposed and um, be able to grow. That is beautiful. And I love that you guys just kind of in a, you know, sometimes you make connections with people and it's because somebody says, okay, you're going to work with them. But I love how natural the connection was between you two. And you obviously had some things in common that led to the W podcast. But before uh, the W podcast, there was Beyond the W. So, Lori, tell us about your background. Well, my background actually is pretty unconventional. Um, (laughs) I actually did not grow up watching basketball at all. Um, Everyone thought I did because I'm 5'11". I did not play ball. I played other sports, but not that. Um, And I'm Caribbean, so we watched soccer in my house. The World Cup was like the thing that we watched. Um, But I always wanted to work in sports growing up in high school. I went to a big high school, big sports programs and everything like that, but I just never pursued it. And then Probably in my mid-20s, I kind of was trying to figure out what I want to do in my life, of course, and um, had a conversation with a girlfriend, and she just encouraged me to try to work in sports because it's something that I never actually tried. And um, I decided to try sports writing only because I felt like that's just a skill to have. I never really wanted to be a journalist, per se. I just felt like it would be a good, like, skill to have in my back pocket 
you know, if I could hide anywhere. Um, so I started, of course, covering the Knicks because that's our home team up here in New York. So I started covering the Knicks and the NBA basketball, and I just wanted to learn more about basketball when the NBA season was over because, like I said, because I didn't grow up watching it, um, I watched basketball differently than someone who's played before, right? So there were certain things that I just couldn't quite pick up right away while watching it. Like, I didn't know what pick and roll looked like. I didn't know what setting screen looked like. And I wanted to really, really learn it better. So I decided to continue to watch it over the summer, started watching more of the WNBA. And I was just so ecstatic by what I was seeing. I'm like, oh, my God, these girls are amazing. They're talented. They're brilliant. They're just, like, you know, in a good way, freaks of nature. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But I noticed that when I would talk to some of my friends, particularly my male friends, about the games that I was watching at the Garden or on TV, I didn't see that same level of excitement or interest from them. And that kind of made me offended as a woman, especially, um, because these are women who train the same way, probably trained and grew up with these same guys, and they weren't getting the same respect that they deserve. So I started to write more about the WNBA, but some of the outlets that I was writing or I wanted to write for, I realized they weren't covering the WNBA as much either. And I decided, like, you know what, if instead of me trying to kind of beg and plead or hope that one of these companies will accept one of my pitches, let me just create my own site. So that's how Beyond the W came about. And plus, I've always been into pop culture and lifestyle and hip-hop and fashion and all these other things. And I, these are things that attracted me to the players even more, the things that they do off the court. And I wanted to create a place where you can kind of bridge the best of both worlds. Within that time, I joined NABJ as well. And I went down to D.C.'s conference that particular year. And like Princess said, we had been talking already. My friend had already introduced us. And then Princess came up to me. She was like, I love your blog. And, you know, I saw him all the time. And I'm like, my blog? You read it? Like, you sure? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, how did you even know about Beyond the W? I didn't know no one was checking for me like that. So I kept in touch. And she came up with the idea of the podcast, which is something that I had wanted to explore myself. And we just kind of put our heads together and beyond, um, excuse me, the W podcast was born and this is how it came about. Wow. I want to go back to a point you made because me and Tarika talked about this and actually it's more of our focus moving forward after we see we get this knowledge. People say, well, wow, that's interesting that you changed this about the podcast or you guys did this. Tarika and I are always out here, you know, reading or talking to people. So we come back with all these wild ideas on what we want to change or what we want to do for the podcast. Right. So one of the things this year we said was, well, you know what, since the demographic that's missing um, as far as those who are not watching the WNBA is young girls and women. Um, we're going to try to tap more into that audience, right? We're going to try to reach a younger audience, you know, figure out how can, or maybe it's their parents. Like we haven't figured out yet exactly mm -hmm. the strategy, but I love that you said there was something missing. And I also, uh, I, I like when you talked about bringing in culture and hip hop, if each of you could speak on just what is missing? You know, I don't, I don't know. You guys don't have to share your age, but you're much younger than me. Um, Tarika's younger than me too. So whatever. Uh, but she acts like she's an old maid. I swear. <laughs> when you guys, when you guys have conversations with younger women, women of color, whatever, what is missing from the WNBA that we're not getting their attention? Um, I think from my experience, definitely accessibility, I think is one thing, even though now with, I credit Lisa Borders so much because of her, you know, taking this initiative and creating different methods of the WNBA games being seen as far as like Twitter and titles and um, 
you know, obviously more games being shown on ESPN. So visibility was also a big thing. But like I said before, one thing that I that drew me to the WNBA outside of the game was the off-the-court stories. And I'll just give you a quick story. So when I, when I had decided to start watching the WNBA, I purchased a season ticket with the Liberty. And they had a season ticket holder event. And first of all, I was just blown away by how accessible the players are and how down to earth they were. I mean, they're sitting at the tables with us at this barbecue that they threw for season ticket holders and everyone just had these conversations with them. And at my table, it was Sugar Rogers. It was a woman who was on the coaching staff at the time. She's not on it anymore. And Sharday Houston, she hasn't played in a while, but she was on the team at the time. And um, Cappy Pondexter. So Cappy was telling us about her you know, styling company for style management and how she's worked in New York Fashion Week and all these different things. And Sugar also shared her personal story that she actually ended up sharing with the Players' Tribune not too long ago about um, just her upbringing. And I was just so drawn to both of them because in Cappy's eyes, I felt like, wow, this is something that, like, is, is relatable. There's so many women in our age group who love entrepreneurship and you know, being your own boss and juggling different hats and having all your hands, you know, your eggs in different baskets and multiple streams of income. And she's fly and she's a veteran and she's a champion and she's all these different things and no one knows this. And with Sugar's story, I felt like her story was, it impacted me, but I also thought it was important for people to know it because I always feel like stories like hers, you often hear more so with like young men. Mm-hmm. Like you always hear like, young men of color, you know, coming from the hood or coming from these, like, situations that are traumatic or, you know, they're overcoming all these obstacles. And I always felt like in their situations, the people around them always pushed them to sports to stay out of trouble. But young girls are obviously going through the same thing. These young men had little sisters or older sisters that are going through the same thing. But obviously, girls aren't being pushed to use sports as an outlet or a way out or you know, a way to hone their skills just like the boys are. And I felt like that was important to show young girls that, hey, there is someone who is at an elite level at the top of her game, six women of the year, who also has gone through what you may be going through or you know someone who's going through. So I think if those stories are told more often um, and through different ways and more creative ways, you know, using social media, using um, different outlets outside of sports outlets, try tapping into the MTVs and the BETs of the world, the Good Morning Americas of the world, you know, online um, outlets to or online shows, like really just being creative and stepping. I think the WNBA is going to be important to go where they are. Don't expect them to come to ESPN because women feel ESPN. When they see ESPN, they think of their man. That's what he watches on Sunday morning. And it's like a no-fly zone. <laughs> They're not going to go to that. So go where they are. Have a panel about women's sports at Essence Like, do different things and reach out to them because they will support like everyone that I've ever spoken to that are women of color or uh, in our age group. And I tell them about the disparities of WNBA or I talk about these girls accomplishments. They're all like, Oh my God, this is great. How come we don't know about this? Go where they are versus mm-hmm. expecting them to come where you are. I love that. And I, and I know that part of what you wanted to do, um, you know, with beyond the W was bring lifestyle and bring culture uh, you know, to the coverage. And you're right in that we have to go into the places where women are showing interest in those things, um, w- which I think was part of the reason why ESPNW um, came to pass. You know, I mean, they wanted to connect all of these different 
things that represent what women are and also give us a space where, um, you know, we could kind of focus and be proud of us. The one thing I think people don't know, and Princess, you can speak to this. Both of you also have jobs, like real jobs, right? And Uh so a lot of the people who are covering women's basketball, there are not a lot of full-time positions. Um, And so if you're really passionate about it, it takes incredible sacrifice. Princess, you, I know, do some work with, um, is it XM Radio or ESPNU? I wasn't sure exactly what, but I, I do think that you were the plug that got us on XM Radio. I told Tariqa that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> how have how have you been, what are the challenges, I guess, in, in trying to uh, pursue your, pa- your passion? And, and what would you want to do full time? Yeah, so I do work for Sirius XM. Um, and we have, you know, different channels, of course, on the internet radio and ESPNU College Sports is one. And so I did throw, you know, out there a little bit that around the rim needed to be up yes. there. And so for a brief amount of time during college basketball season, yes, we did house around the rim, which I was so happy about. So excited. Um, and, <laughs> Thank yes, you, girl. Um, <laughs> yes, you're welcome because I love you guys and I love exactly like how we're all working to grow the game, right? Um, and so I'll actually refer back to a conversation you and I had with China when uh, we met up a while ago and you were talking about um, the difference between, you know, freelancing and how you have to really grind and be prepared for that. Um, and I really took that into account where it's like I, I want to still be connected to the sports world. So I have this job at SiriusXM, but, you know, it doesn't cover the WNBA. It doesn't really talk much about women's basketball or women's sports in general. And so sometimes there, there are definitely a lot of times we have to sacrifice um, – time or even sometimes events we want to be at because we have to balance the paycheck versus the passion Um, and when you get that Mm -hmm. time to or when I come into that career place where I'm able to combine both you know it'll definitely be a sigh of relief where I won't have to miss certain things or or leave early from from certain things I have work commitments Um, definitely my end goal I would love to say would be an analyst uh, that covers the WNBA um, on a national scale and I also want to do um, I also want to, you know, a lot like Lo said, have an outlet that covers the feature stories and covers the storylines. And so, you know, I think the WNBA has done an awesome job of expanding, you know, getting people to sign up for League Pass and, and bringing the WNBA to Twitter. But I think uh, an element of that that's missing is keeping the conversation going after the games go off. Like there needs to be some sort of platform that has a roundtable and has the best of the mm-hmm. best former athletes or analysts that are able to discuss it and keep the conversations going. The storylines of the links are here in D.C. as a as a as a kind of a bit of I say um, pushback against Trump not being invited to the White House. They're here in D.C. volunteering for a uh, volunteering at an elementary school. How many people know that that's happening right this second? You know, how often do we get the chance to talk about this? And that goes back into the conversation of exposure. So I really want to be. I really want to create and be a part of something that allows for the conversation to be continued after we expose the games and after we expose the talent to really give an inside look into the league and the players themselves. That is such a great point because that after the game aspect, like you don't see people breaking down games, you know, live after uh, WBA goes off. You know, you have to either wait for the podcast or, you know, you may see a segment mm-hmm. or two, but there's nothing consistently that happens after the event that keeps the conversation going. You're right, because 
um, you know, we do about one ESPN WNBA game a week and, you know, mm-hmm. NBA TV and there's the league pass. But if you're not completely plugged in, you're right. You're going to miss it. And the one aspect I really love about about your journey, especially with with Sirius XM, is that is why there has to be more diversity in the room where where conversations are being had, where creativity is happening, where decisions are being made, because you were able to step in as someone who's passionate about women's basketball and say, hey, why don't we try this? Right. But you have right. to have that diverse passion in order to even create that opportunity for the conversation to happen and for us to be where we, you are. Um, Tariq is going to kill me. So uh, we have to start wrapping this up. But Lo, I want you to kind of just tell us about uh, the W podcast and uh, where fans can find it. And then for you, you know, kind of what is that uh, place that, that you would like to be in covering the game? First, the W Podcast, you can find us on um, Apple Podcasts. Find us on Google Play. We're also on SoundCloud. I'm really trying to get us on Spotify. We'll see how that goes. Um, and on social <laughs> media, we're on the W Podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and I'm working on the Facebook as well. Um, and by email, if people have questions, they want to hit us up, have guest ideas, whatever, um, the W Podcast at gmail.com. That's how you can find um, our information. As far as my career goes, so my vision, I would love to have, like, I love Complex. I've been a fan of Complex since they were magazines in the gas station. So to see how Complex has grown into a channel, um, to see how they've grown into just taking over YouTube with their videos and their content, I would love to see something. It doesn't have to be beyond the W, but I would just love to be a part of something like that around women's basketball, where it tackles women's basketball from all angles. I think that's what Princess was basically saying that it's needed um, just a channel or some kind of outlet or something dedicated to that solely where people can come and find everything that they need about women's basketball, including original content. Um, I would love to see original content from players, too, because there are a lot of players who are very creative or who have different types of personalities that they can offer certain things or they can, like, kind of, you know, help produce and get their own ideas out there. Um I would love to. I would love to see somewhere where also games can also be streamed outside of the ESPN and the app and everything like that. So that's something that I would love to be a part of, or create, or be at the helm of, if possible. Um, I think I learned pretty early on that you know it's hard to get in those spaces, especially for someone like me who doesn't have a sports background or who didn't even go to a college that even had a gym. So for me getting into a professional or corporate setting was a little bit more difficult. So I had to kind of start my own. That's how I felt, at least. I had to kind of start my own thing and then hope that leads into something bigger. So that's the, the route I'm on, trying to start my own movement and my own my own revolt TV-like movement. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think what you guys are talking about, I mean, we even hear like Della Dawn saying, right? She's like, we need we need people to get to know us outside of the game. Like, that's how it's going to grow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. us as people, what we think about, our culture, um, you know, all of those things. So I just love that you guys are bringing that aspect to it. You know, as I get older, I'm like, listen, I, I feel like a 25-year-old, but do I really know what 25-year-olds are thinking about? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but definitely the... The avenues you guys have are helping us stay connected. I was going to say one last thing. I think it's about having something for everyone because I know when when we go to the games, a lot of the season schools are are men and women who have been down with the W since day one. 
and they're a little bit older. Right. You know what I mean? And then there's also the newer fans that are following the Asia Wilsons and Diamond the Shields from college because they went to class with them and they grew up with them. So it's about really find, providing content for everyone all across the board. There's some people that do love the cultural aspect and, and everything, and there's some people that just want their stats and their <laughs> their play-by-play, right. and that's what they want. So it's some, it's, there's something for everyone, and I think that there's, because there's not enough, I think that those of us like you, you know, all of us ladies here today, to me, the lane is still wide open for us to be as creative as possible and to really, really set the tone and set the standard and different things up for the future of what kind of content and what kind of uh, stuff can come about to cover women's basketball and women's sports in general. Well, we definitely appreciate the sacrifices that you guys are making to cover the game and all the passion you're doing it with. Um, where can fans follow you, Princess? Where are you on social? So on Twitter, I am PB Street underscore. Um, little play on my name, PB Street underscore on Twitter. And on Instagram, I am Princess B Streeter. Um, so kind of whole full name out that way. Um, yeah. And then of course, don't forget to follow the W podcast. Okay. And Lo, you gave us the podcast stuff. You have any personal handles or you just the W what you got going on? <laughs> uh, I, I do have personal, but I try to keep it personal, but okay. add beyond the W on everything. Okay. On, Perfect. On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And last question, Princess, why is your name Princess? Because I just think it's so beautiful and so royal, and I need to know, and I need everybody else to know. <laughs> Thank you. If you ask my dad, he'll say he named me the princess so he could be considered the king. But, I, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers. So I really just think, you know, they were kind of doting on me and just love to love me and threw that in there. So, yeah, I love it. I always say it's a great conversation starter. I love it too. And so is La China. And so is Lo. And so is Tarika. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, so much for your time and all you're doing to grow the game. And we look forward to big things from you. Fans, make sure you follow uh, Laureen and also Princess because they are um, holding it down for women's basketball. We appreciate y'all. Well, thank you for having Thank us. you. Well, fans, that's it for this edition of Around the Rim. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Around the Rim Pod. You can also follow me at SheKnowsSports underscore. You can follow LaChina at LaChina Robinson. Hashtag Around the Rim whenever you're talking about the podcast or any women's basketball, honestly, because we love to hear from you and we love to know what you guys are talking about, suggestions, comments, topics. Please make sure you email us at Around the Rim Podcast. You can email us about our topics that we discussed today. You can talk about any random question that you have. You can give us suggestions. You can do whatever. We love to just keep you guys involved in what we're doing. Thanks again to Jewel Loy for joining the show. Thanks again to Lorene and Princess for joining the show. Uh, so make sure you guys are following them as well. And listen, we're doing this every week. So make sure you guys come back next week for some more women's basketball talk. Until then, guys, see you later. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.